Let's open our Bibles to John 17 for a few minutes and get this third prayer request that the Lord Jesus Christ had for his 11 apostles on the road to the Garden of Gethsemane. Again, the first five verses are Jesus praying for himself. He prays for reciprocal glory in verse 1, going to the cross. He explains in verses 2 and 3 their joint effort, God the Father and Jesus Christ, in the purpose of saving us at the cross. And then verses 4 and 5, for the Father to glorify him and he would glorify the Father. Again, reciprocal glory of God. And the glory of God should be our constant desire. And so that is the first five verses. Jesus doesn't mention the apostles. He only refers to us as the joint project of salvation for the glory of God. And I hope that you seeing this and the repetition will help you. In the next five verses, it's Jesus. He has now turned toward the apostles, but he's not asking anything for them yet. He's reasoning with the Father as to why the Father should care and answer the petitions that we're now going through. Verses 11 through 13 were the first prayer request of the Lord Jesus for his apostles and that they would be in unity and joy. Things we've prayed for in this assembly. Things we should continue to pray for and that we should do our part in endeavoring to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Verses 14 through 16 are the second prayer request that Jesus had for his apostles to keep them safely from the world. Safety from the world. And that's verses 14 through 16, because they were not of the world, even as he was not of the world. It's repeated twice to show the difference and to appeal to the Father to protect them from the evil of this place that we're presently in. The third lesson is verses 17 through 19, and we will just take a few minutes. Don't be Worried about the time, I will be short. I want you to understand this. I hope that you see and love and embrace the Lord Jesus Christ because of this chapter. It is not something I can do for you. I can make this as plain as possible, but it tells what kind of effort you've put into preparation, participation by listening, and review later to know what kind of a Savior you have to answer the questions and to realize the purpose of this prayer that I put in the the preparatory email yesterday, to look at what is the content, how is the Lord praying, what does he go after in this dearest, crucialist of hours before he's going to be arrested and crucified? What does he go after? It tells us what's really important to him and what's really important to the Father. It's up to you to embrace it. It's up to you in your private time with Almighty God to go after important things like this. We do get distracted, and the world wants to always distract us. But these are spiritual goals and spiritual needs that the apostles had and that we have as well. Verses 17 through 19 or lesson number three. You should already have that on your little worksheet Jesus prayed third for their sanctification by truth. And I read to you verses 17 through 19. Sanctify them, this is the Lord Jesus, with his eyes lifted up to heaven 
asking the Holy Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctified myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Amen and amen. Amen. Verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Sanctification is a long word. It is a simple word. It means to make holy. It means to consecrate. So if you're looking at number one, sanctification equals consecrate, which equals make holy for God's use. In the Old Testament, they had ritual after ritual of washings and sprinklings and dip, putting your thumb in blood on the ear, here, there, hyssop branches, over doors, and that would consecrate a home to protect it from the death angel. It would consecrate the furniture of the tabernacle for the priests. It would consecrate the priests. It would sanctify them. And when you read the Bible in both Testaments, sanctify equals consecrate. And consecrate equals making holy for God's use. If something is consecrated to God's use, then it's made holy by whatever means he has chosen for it to be made holy. And the Old Testament was by animal blood and sensual, outwardly carnal, worldly rituals. The New Testament, well, don't get me off on the five phases and their components, because sanctification needs the five phases. God chose us to be holy and without blame before him in love, Ephesians. And then Jesus Christ died on the cross to sanctify us perfectly holy in Hebrews chapter 10. And then we're born again with a new spirit that is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then we're supposed to live a sanctified, holy life in the practical phase. And he is going to make us holy, holy. That's W-H-O-L-L-Y, H-O-L-Y soon. Holy, holy. Completely holy, totally holy. Sanctification. And so sanctification equals consecration or set apart for God's use. Sanctification is a religious word. Justification is a legal word. Redemption is an economic word. Adoption is a familial word. Reconciliation is a relational word. All these different terms that the Bible has chosen and that the Lord's chosen. By the way, the Bible speaks about itself that way. That when God speaks, the Bible is speaking. The Scripture saith. Ever read that in the New Testament? The Scripture saith. Well, the Scripture never said anything, but God, by the Scripture, did say it. And sanctification is a wonderful thing. And we, we want to embrace it as the Bible teaches us about it. The words saint, saint, a sanctified person. Right. Sanctuary, a sanctified place. Sanctification, consecrated and set apart for God's use, made holy so that we're acceptable to him and we're profitable and pleasing to him. If sanctification means fit for God's use, then truth of God's will for men is crucial. So when we look at number two, truth purifies men for God's use and it is found in his word. I have given them thy word. 
Men to be consecrated for God's pleasure and God's purpose must follow his revealed will. That should be so simple and plain. Ministers, as God's representatives and examples to the people, must be purified. Old Testament priests followed higher rules than the people. New Testament bishops follow higher rules than the people. A bishop has to be the husband of one wife. Could you take in a church member in a nation that allowed polygamy a man with two wives? Yes, you could. Could he be a deacon? No. Could he be a bishop? No. A church, church members are told not to be drunk wherein is excess. Deacons are told not to be given to much wine. Bishops are told not to be given to wine. Consecrating up for the Lord's pleasure, the example that he wants before his people. God was very displeased at Moses when he smote a rock instead of speaking to it because he said, Moses did not sanctify me. You did not set me apart and consecrate me as God because I told you how to do it and you did it a different way. God was angry at David for his sin because he gave occasion for blasphemy. God was angry at Isaiah the king for presuming on the consecrated office of a priest and going in and thinking he could offer incense. And leprosy rose right up in his face for not honoring God's consecration. Paul rejected using John Mark until he repented for going AWOL. Therefore, we're talking about ministers here. This is Jesus asking for his apostles. Sanctify them through thy truth. Set them apart. Make them holy. Make them perfect for your profit and pleasure by your word. Sanctify them by truth. Consecrate them by holding them close to the truth. 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul to Timothy for ministers. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Consecration's important. And these apostles needed it. And Jesus is praying for it. But now he's going to tell them, he's going to tell the Father, but he's also telling them by the nature of this prayer. He's telling the Father, and he's telling them because they're hearing him pray. He tells the Father in verse 19 that he had sanctified himself. And did Jesus conduct himself perfectly according to the word of God? Did Jesus perfectly obey the truth? Yes, he did. And that's how he sanctified himself. Because we're told there in verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Did Jesus keep the word of God perfectly? He did. And so he gave them an example. He gave them an example, and he's asking God to confirm it and help them to be consecrated through truth. Truth separates us. Truth separates us on baptism. Truth separates us on dry pastor baptistries. Truth separates us on steeples. Truth separates us on sonship. Truth separates us on salvation. Truth separates us on holidays. Truth separates us on attire. Truth separates us on hair length. Truth separates us on work ethic. Truth flat out separates us. And we've been given the word of God, and the word of God tells us how to think, how to speak, and how to act, and it separates us from the world and consecrates us to God. This world is the enemy of God. And whoever is a friend of this world is the enemy of God. And how these men were in the world, but they're not of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. 
We're not supposed to go out of the world to get away from the world. We're just supposed to be holy in the world. And these men had a job higher than ours. These men had a job even higher than mine. I'm to be a pastor. They were apostles that were sent out to evangelize the known world and to preach the gospel to those that had never heard of it. And so they went everywhere reproving men. They reproved the Jews. They reproved the Gentiles. And I said that earlier. They reproved idolatry. They reproved philosophy. They reproved it all. But they had to be consecrated to God's use, sanctified, made holy, set apart for his use to please him and profit him by truth. And isn't that why we meet here? Aren't there about 400 other Baptist churches in Greenville County? But we're here because of truth that sanctifies us, separates us, set apart for God's use because we want to follow the Bible as closely as the Lord will show us. So Timothy, take heed to thyself and you'll save yourself and them that hear you. Lord, Jesus to the Father. Father, sanctify these men. Consecrate them. Set them apart. Make them holy through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Help these men do everything in the way they think, speak, and act and conduct themselves as ministers as the Bible teaches. That's how we want to live. The Word of God should direct everything we do. Jesus prayed for God to do a special work on the apostles to sanctify them for their apostolic work. This is first and foremost a prayer to God for benefits needed. Jesus was about to leave. He wanted them to be profitable apostles. And that means set apart and sanctified and made holy for God's use. Truth has a sanctifying effect by purifying a man personally and ministerially. That's why there's two points in 1 Timothy 4.16. Take heed to thyself and take heed to the doctrine. Continue in them. That them is a plural. A minister is to do two things. Take care of himself. Take care of the doctrine. And so Jesus is praying for that. So it should, that should be simple here. This third prayer request out of three in these nine verses that the Lord's given us. We heard this morning from Psalm 119. And yesterday, not knowing what the psalm was going to be today, yesterday I wrote you in the first three psalms that I recommended that you could consider for meditation was Psalm 1, which is about the Word of God. Psalm 19, which is about the Word of God. Psalm 119, which is about the Word of God. And we heard it this morning. What you said this morning, brother, is summarized in John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Blessed are they that are undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Perfect. The first verse this morning, Psalm 119.1. Blessed are the undefiled. What is something that is undefiled? It's holy. What is something that's holy? It's sanctified and ready for the master's use. And who are they? Who walk in the law of the Lord. If we will keep the law of the Lord, then we are sanctified as a church, as a minister, as fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, children, youth in our church. And we want a sanctified church through truth. That's why we emphasize the jot and the tittle of the word of God. We want to follow the Bible in what it tells us how to think and how to speak and how to act in all parts of our lives. The word of God is only half the equation. The other half is the Holy Spirit blessing the word of God. 
Truth and doctrine and practice is crucial. But where is truth found? It's in the Bible. But a Bible read, a Bible memorized, a Bible painted on walls, or worn in a phylactery doesn't get it done. It's got to be a Bible lived out. And the Holy Spirit has to help us do that. Thus the prayer by the Lord Jesus Christ, and thus the prayer by the Apostle Paul for churches. These men needed to be fully prepared to oppose the world and to lead believers to Christ. Thy word is truth. God demands truth, especially by his ministers, and that truth is found in the Bible. Truth purifies men for God's use, and it is found in his word. God mocks any other source of truth, light, or wisdom as going to wizards and peep for them to peep he, he, and mutter. He mocks them in Isaiah chapter 8, and he mocks them in Isaiah chapter 29 as the turning of things upside down. God mocks ministers not using his source of truth. And we love the verses. Because I meditate on thy precepts, I'm wiser than my enemies, I'm wiser than my teachers, and I'm wiser than the ancients. Look at what the word of, the word of God was the seminary degree the apostles didn't have. But the word of God for those apostles made them powerful. The things they wrote cut through all false religion and presented the truth to the world. And we benefit from it today. If apostolic sanctification was by truth, God's word was crucial for it. Ministers should crave it. Ministers should love it. Ministers should study it. Ministers should promote it. And ministers should most of all follow it. Every word of it. Every word of God. But by every word of God coming from the mouth of God. The Bible is God's religious manual. If these men were to depart from God's religious manual, what kind of religious leaders would they be? These were the foundation stones of the New Testament church. You may dislike or misunderstand Leviticus. Sometimes I have spoken lightly of Leviticus. Because I know that many of those chapters that you read, you don't understand what you're reading, nor appreciate its purpose. But what was Leviticus written for? To sanctify the Levites. Why is it called Leviticus? It's the rules for the Levites. And the Levites was the tribe from which came the priests. The Levites themselves that were not from Aaron within that tribe could not be priests but they could do everything else and should do everything else around the tabernacle or temple. But those that came from Aaron were priests. And the book of Leviticus, if you go read it, I know it's kind of boring and irritating in certain respects because you don't appreciate that God, back then, and leaving it, why do we still have it? Why do we still have Leviticus? Because it reminds you of this verse right here. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Those Levites had to live a different way. Why don't you go find out what kind of a woman a Levite could marry? He couldn't marry a woman like you, Mary. You can marry. She had to be different. Couldn't marry a widow. No way. Couldn't marry a non-virgin. No way. There was a standard to keep. And it's there in the book of Leviticus. And the, The reason I'm mentioning it right now is when it says... Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. You know, in the Old Testament, it was the priests and the Levites. In the New Testament, it's the apostles, and both of them were governed by Scripture. And Jesus is praying, unite them around the word of God 
and let them keep it in every, uh, every one of its commandments. And so we love the verse, don't we? Psalm 119 and verse 128, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Amen. No one should ever be ordained without thinking that that is the mandate for their life. Preach the word. Because whatever the word says about any subject, I believe it and I don't care about anything else. Every minister ought to have that attitude about the word of God. That's what Jesus is praying for right here. Lord in heaven, my father, sanctify them, set them apart, consecrate them through thy truth. Convince them on the inside. Cause them to embrace it. Cause them to understand it. Give them great zeal for it so that they'll be set-apart ministers that will accomplish the good you have designed for them. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. He hasn't really sent them yet, because his charge to them is yet coming, but it's going to come, and it is certain, and it is close. And Jesus is praying to the Father, Father, these men, you know them, Give them a love for your scriptures and a commitment to them that they will never vary. You sent me into the world on a divine mission. I sanctified myself to give them an example. That's verse 12. I am sending them into the world on a divine mission. They need you to help them stick to the word of God. They are going to have enemies within and without the churches. When you read Paul's resume in 2 Corinthians 11, he talks about beating with, beatings with rods, being stoned, beating, whip, being whipped and scourged. He talks about robbers and perils, wild animals in some of his travels, being shipwrecked, and he works his way down through this resume to what's the worst part of all? And the care of all the churches. And the care of all the churches. What was his fallback What was his safety net? What was his golden parachute? What was his protection? It was the word of God. Always stick with the word of God. Consecrate these men, Father. Sanctify these men. Make them holy. Set them apart from the world. Give them all the answers through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Give him your word. Psalm 119. About every verse in it pertains to this subject. When Paul wrote Timothy about the perilous times, the last days, and men departing and having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, and being lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, this is 2 Timothy 3. These are verses you've memorized. Why do we have all Scripture is given by inspiration of God? Why is that stuck in there? This is the cure. The cure for our generation, for ministers and churches and persons alike, is the Word of God. Continue in those things which thou hast heard and learned, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Timothy, you've learned them from me. Stick with them and hold to them. Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. What are all the all good works that please God? That is truly being sanctified. And do it through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17 can be summarized by 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Or, verses, or chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Preach the word. Thy word is truth. Preach the word. There's going to be a time coming 
when men are going to turn from the truth and be turned into fables. They're going to heap to themselves teachers because they have itching ears. They want to hear something pleasant for their lusts. Just keep preaching the word. That's what this is about right here. It's very different from the second prayer request. I hope you can see that. These don't blend together very well. And it's very different from the first prayer request. Unity and joy, safety from the world, set apart to God's word that they'll never vary from it. Sanctify them. We're not going to drip blood. We're not going to put a thumb in blood and put it on the tip of their ear. We're not going to pour oil on them. We're going to charge them to preach the word. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Holy Father, and for their sakes, I sanctified myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. There it is stated again at the beginning, at the end, sanctified through truth for the third prayer request. And Jesus did it to be given them an example. And he's in his prayer. Does the Father know he was an example? Is there another audience hearing him pray? Yes, the 11 apostles. And for their sakes, think with me. His eyes are lifted up to heaven. They're standing there. I wonder how many of them had tears. I wonder if how many of them, you know, in two hours, in one hour, two hours, three hours, they're all going to run away. I hope that there were, I hope that they had some tears. And I hope later when the Holy Spirit came on them, According to John 16, 13, it is expedient for you that I go away, but when I go away, I'm going to send you a comforter, and he's going to bring all things to your remembrance. They would have remembered this prayer. Oh, yes, they would have remembered this prayer. I hope they were moved right here and now. We should be. This is the Lord of glory, the personal attention. Does the Father know that Jesus Christ was holy in his life? Did Jesus know he was holy in his life? And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. I've given them an example. Lord, help them fulfill it. I'm going to commission them to go into this world to preach your word. I've given them your word. They've kept it. But Lord, keep them to it. Don't let them wander from it. Help them to preach all of it. When there are statements made in the Bible, like Paul to the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, on a seashore, he gathered the elders of the church at Ephesus together, and he said, I kept back nothing that was profitable for you. I preached to you the whole counsel of God. And he had lived it in front of them. And he had lived it in front of them above and beyond. There were churches where he as an apostle had the authority to get them to support him. He was just a single man that didn't want very much. He's the one that wrote, food and raiment, let us be there with content. But he worked day and night. He'd preach when they were available, and he'd sow tents when they weren't. Just on and on, following the word of God. Because a work ethic is important. Those of you that have just learned First and Second Thessalonians, a work ethic is important. 1 Thessalonians 4 taught you that a work ethic is important, and 2 Thessalonians 3 taught you. Prayer request number three, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Set them apart for your holy ministry for them, because I'm sending them into the world just like you sent me into the world. I gave them an example. 
I've sanctified myself. I've kept your word. I've preached the truth. You help them do the same thing. And these men hit the world running after the day of Pentecost, and they did just this. How divided was the church at Jerusalem in the beginning? And it says they were all of one mind, and they had all things common. What a church. How many members? Well, by noon, it was at least 3,120. By six, it was bigger, a lot bigger, because we have Acts chapter 3. They were united. Let's look at your little page. Yes, I need to help you with your little page. Number three, like you sent me into the world, I am sending them. Number three, like you sent me into the world, I am sending them. Jesus sanctified himself to be an example for the apostles. He consecrated himself. He committed himself holily to the Bible, to the word of God, which is truth. And number five, they were to follow and be sanctified through the truth. They were to follow him, his example, and be sanctified through the truth. When we look at the first lesson, on your little piece of paper, Jesus prayed first for the apostles' unity and joy. Are you committed and are you serving this church to be one? Are you committed and are you personally experiencing the joy of knowing God and his son, Jesus Christ? That's what Jesus prayed for. We want to be doing our part and we want him to bless our efforts. Prayer request number two, safety from the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. They hate us because we're not of it. And when they know what we believe, what they know, what, when they know what we stand for, when they know what we say, or when they perceive us as being righteous, like they perceive our president as being righteous. We know our president isn't all that righteous, but he tries to be righteous, and they perceive him as being righteous, and that is enough for them. They hate him for perceived righteousness. And they despise him because there is animosity in this world. Proverbs 29, 27, that isn't going away until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And it's going to go away the right way. Proverbs 29 and verse 27, an unjust man is an abomination to the just. Is that true about all of you? I hate them with perfect hatred. An unjust man is an abomination to the just. Do you mean the just hate? Yes. Hate is good when the hatred is of something bad. An unjust man is an abomination to the just, and he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. Doesn't that describe America? What's going on right now from the highest levels of our government down? We're in the world. We don't go out there and paint a bullseye on our chest and stand in front of them. But let's live it. And we, we don't go out and confront them unnecessarily. But if we're asked, or there's an opportunity, let's share the truth of God's word. Right. But let's, you know, prayer request number two is, I have given them thy word, and the world's hated them. God's given us his word, and God's given us a great understanding of much of it, not all of it, much of it. Let's thank him for that, and let's live it out in our lives. And the Lord's left us here, and he may leave us here for a while longer. We're not of it, we're in it, and let's not befriend it. Let's be kept from the evil and ask the Lord to keep us from evil. Father, 
we, we pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the third prayer request is sanctification by truth. Are you living by the Bible? Are you living by the Bible? That's how you consecrate yourselves. Jesus prayed. Do you think he was heard? If you want to see the prayer request answered, read the book of Acts. They turned the world upside down. They were one. I gave you, there's several passages. Go see how much dissension there was in the Council of Jerusalem. James was able to pull that thing together. After Peter spoke, Paul spoke, James pulled it together and they all agreed and sent a letter out to all the Gentile churches. Don't worry about all, this, all these Jewish legalists that are around. If you'll avoid eating, listen, if you'll avoid ordering rare in restaurants and if you'll avoid dropping your knee to, a, to an idol and if you'll avoid fornication, the Jews will be quiet. Okay? Is that, is that okay? And when that epistle was read from Jews saying, here's, could you just do these four and keep the Jews happy? It says the Gentiles all rejoiced that the apostles were so liberal. Because you know what the Pharisees wanted them to do? Circumcision and everything else they could pull from the law. What was all that said for? Unity. We want to be one. Joy. Safety from the world. Let's ask the Lord for it. Let's not be part of this world. And let's realize the powerful thing, truth is, it consecrates us and separates us from the world. Amen. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.